Portions of the following episode were recorded after the coronavirus pandemic started, but before the murder of George Floyd and related protests. We know these events have had and will continue to have tremendous impact on our lives and our community, and of course, the work of artists. We assert that Black Lives Matter and will be working on content that deal with such topics. As always, we'd love to hear more about what you'd like to hear from us. Stay tuned for ways to reach out to us at the end of the show. Welcome to the Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum. Comfort and joy for these uncertain times. I'm Seema Rao, Deputy Director and Chief Experience Officer. And I'm Gina Thomas-McGee, Curator of Education. So today we're talking about abstract. Abstract is a word that gives us a lot of um, challenges at work. I think that some of the work that we get the most um, pushback on are, are abstract works. You teach in our galleries all the time. Which are some of the works that make people kind of scratch their heads? I think for me, it's um, what I call, I don't know what the curators call it, but I call it the minimalist room. Um, So that's work that is really focused on line, shape, color, texture, pattern, those kinds of things where it's less about telling a story. Um, So I I agree with you. I think people have not not all, not everyone, but um, some visitors have um, baggage associated with that where they feel like they're being duped or tricked or um, feel like, Maybe it's just not speaking to them, which is totally understandable, right? You know, the duped part is the part I've been thinking a lot about. Actually, I'm not thinking it's so much about a collection, but how many times we actually do get duped in the news? You know, this is a time we're all at home right now. Everyone's checking their phones. And I have definitely gotten duped by, like, memes and things like that. And it does feel bad. And you're right. I do think some of what's abstract is that it's... um, you're like, what am I supposed to get? Yeah, almost. Well, maybe like it's an inside joke or something. And if you feel left out of an inside joke, like that doesn't feel great. But I'm always telling people like, I don't know, maybe you're um, overthinking it actually, rather than <laughs> than underthinking it. You know, you're, you're maybe um, putting too much pressure on yourself. Like, let's let's take a look at it for what it is. Like, what colors do we see? What lines do we see? What's happening? Like, is there a lot of brushstrokes are there very few like let's just get into it what we can see on the surface Mm. yeah you're right it is like it's not it can just be what you're looking at you know it doesn't have to be you know I've been sort of sitting finally the weather's good you you um invited me in we were in a meeting and you were sitting outside and I I didn't even think about like going outside for meetings and um I mean we of course social distancing so you did it at your house and I was at my house on zoom but it made me think oh I'm gonna do that and so today when I was thinking um about you in the podcast I was outside and I let my eyes relax and look um at the green and the trees so like I wasn't actually looking at anything and and I realized that's sort of what abstract art is, right? It's just about letting your letting relax and look at the colors sometimes. I mean, there's meaning behind it, but you don't have to know that. Right. And and the meaning can be derived from, like, your actual physical interaction with that thing, right? Like, I think um, one of the artists in our collection, Julian Stanchuk, talks about that, where it's, you know, it's all about the perception of it, you perceiving it as a person. Like, what's going on in your eyes? what's going on as you physically stand there. And like, that's a really powerful experience in itself. 
not all art is storytelling. Like a lot of, a lot of it can be, but not all of it is telling you a story. You know, not art, all artists are autobiographical or speaking to social issues or speaking about history or even their, um, their current lives. You know, sometimes we're, they're making artwork about something, one of the art elements, like line. Like this is a painting about blue. This is a painting about, you know, straight lines. And, and that's perfectly valid too. Actually, that's more direct. You know, hearing you say it, I've been thinking a lot about when we were, you know, preparing for this lesson about the word abstracted, you know, that like there's abstract, but then we use it in, you know, I, I, he created an abstracted um, concept or whatever. And in some ways, there's something more direct about a painting about blue than a painting that pretends to be realistic. Because of course, you know, even we have that wonderful chase that has a, a reflection of the artist in it. Yes. And um, it's lovely, but that's a trick. All those artists are tricking you. They're tri I mean, realis realism is tricking you sometimes more. The, uh, you know, the Estes is basically a trick of the eye. Trump Lloyd, it's, it's all a trick. Yeah, have you all seen that? So that's the one where it's a grocery store and it, you're looking through a window into the shop. So you're getting like a reflection of the glass um, of the city outside and then you're seeing the shop on the inside. And we would maybe categorize it as photorealistic, right? It looks like as real as a photo. But you're right, it's a trick. I mean, he's doing this with paint. He's not, you know, building a shop and putting glass in front of it. Um, all of it's sort of trickery. But I think you're right. There is a difference between something that is looking at something that's real or addressing something that's real and changing it or stylizing it and not trying to make it look real. And then there's this whole other category of stuff that is not supposed to look like anything, right? Which we would call, I guess, non-representational. If I'm putting, like, my traditional uh, art teacher hat on right no you're right and I actually the directness you know we're sitting at home and uh, there's been so much news and to me when you say like a painting about blue and not having to think about anything else there's actually like a, a power in that I, I overthinking it has become my biggest challenge and if I can just sit and look at pretty blue, or if I can just look at line and focus on line, there is something about what, you know, like actually Julian Stanchuk, that's, that's kind of a great message for being in this moment. That maybe it doesn't have to be all about all those extra stuff. Maybe you don't have to overachieve to make a realistic painting. Maybe you can just paint a piece of paper blue and enjoy that. Absolutely. And I think also, I mean, giving yourself the freedom to just let the experience be what it is and not, I mean... <laughs> I think we have talked before during these times about like these unwritten rules that you give to yourself you know that we sort of self-impose like there's definitely things we have to do right like we have to feed ourselves we have to try to stay well we have to be like respect other people um but there are some things that i'm forcing myself to do that are not real you know that are not that are just like self-imposed rules um so what i love about abstract work is that you know you're sort of giving yourself a sense of freedom instead of trying to figure something out, like letting yourself have an experience. And that sounds sort of like, whoa, like mystical and maybe a little, I don't know, over the top, but it's real, it's true. Yeah, that's huge. Actually, the power to not be a realistic, the power to just be and to not be anything, to not have any kind of requirements of making it real, it's huge. You know, actually, the th thing I keep thinking about here is how much we actually are completely okay with abstraction when we don't feel like it's art. Looking at the clouds and coming up with a picture in it, you know, just 
you know, when you're, I don't know, sometimes, have you ever done that thing? One of my favorite things when I was a kid to do was to sit under the Christmas tree and look up at the Christmas tree lights until your eyes blur. Yes. Is there, we need to have a physician call into the podcast because I want to know if there's a term for that where you like blur your vision. Yeah. Like, you know, you like stare too deeply at something and you can blur it. I'm always wondering if like the way that other people are doing that is the same way I'm doing it, which you can never know. No, you can never know. It's just like color. If they're actually seeing the same blue that you're seeing, absolutely. But there's something so powerful about letting your brain do that. Definitely. And that's really what abstract art, I mean, in some ways, on some level, it is a letting your brain do a thing, letting your art do a thing, and being freed of being realistic and being allowed to go down a different path. Definitely. I mean, think about what we do on social media, too. Like, every time you add a filter, you're abstracting something. I mean, you can do that with a push of a button now. Um, you're sort of abstracting it and taking it one step away from really representing exactly what the thing is. So yeah, all of you who are taking photos and adding filters, um, you're abstract artists. <laughs> we all are. We can do it. Um, the example we're using today is Alma Thomas, and it is, do I say this every time? This is embarrassing if I say it every time, but it's one of my favorite works in the collection. <laughs> it makes sense that I would say that because we got to choose which works we were going to talk about, so it makes sense that a lot of them are our favorites. Um, but this one is abstracted and it is connected to something real. The title is Pond Spring Awakening. Um, and it, oh, to sit in front of it is such a joy. I selfishly work it into like almost every tour I do. It's amazing. It is a beautiful work. Actually, it is, I'm, I'm newer to the collection. You know it so well. Um, and I have to say, I walked by it so many times and people would say, go to Pond or else to the Alma Thomas. And I knew which was the Alma Thomas, but I didn't know which one was called Pond. And it's what I love about it is once you say Pond and you look at it, you think, oh, I see that. And it is actually that kind of thing where I've seen this on Instagram sometimes where people take really close up pictures of nature and it becomes an abstract image. Um, but uh, it's also really just... Um, it's almost like what you were talking about, a painting about blue. It's actually multiple colors, but it is in some ways just a reverie on color. And it's lovely. It's lovely. I just saw it the other day. It's so nice to sit um, in a group setting in front of it, too, because once you give people that little, I usually talk to people about it first before I sort of reveal the title. And once you give somebody that little nugget of what it might represent or what the sort of thought behind the work was, what inspired the colors, they get all these like sensory experiences and like personal um, stories that they want to share about like, you know, their aunt has a pond and they went swimming there as a kid or, um, you know, it's just, it's so interesting the connections that people can have. And you might not think of that looking at it at first glance, right? Because it is so abstracted. It's such a happy, beautiful piece. And also I love it selfishly because Alma Thomas was an art teacher. So shout out to my art teachers in the world. Um, and she made this work and many others actually after she retired, which is amazing. And then became the first African-American woman to have a solo show at the Whitney, which is just like, I mean, retirement goals, seriously. Wow. Wow. We're talking, we could talk about productivity in a future episode. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> that's an impressive, that, that's an impressive career. So we'll turn it over to Reggie to talk a little bit more about the artwork.
Reggie here with this week's Deep Dive. In this episode, we're talking about Alma Thomas's Pond Spring Awakening. Although the title describes a very specific scene, Thomas has presented viewers with a completely abstract image. Certainly the colors and shapes are evocative of a pond. I've even heard students swear they see fish swimming in there. But this isn't a typical image of a pond that, say, Claude Monet or Andy Warhol might have given us. For some people, that can be off-putting and frustrating. Why didn't she just paint the thing, someone might ask. Or other people might cry out, but what is it supposed to be? Or what is it supposed to mean? All great questions that every abstract artist has ever asked themselves. Alma Thomas's answer was pretty simple. Thomas often spent time sitting by her window, observing as the sunlight faded in and out through tree branches and leaves. In her work, she wanted to try and capture that sensation, and with it, the true essence of the natural world. To do that, she stripped nature down to its most basic parts, color and light. She said, Light reveals to us the spirit and living soul of the world through colors. You can really feel that swell of color and light in this work. It's almost as if we're looking at a rippling surface with light bouncing up and down off the little waves. Or maybe we're looking at a reflection of light passing through old, gnarled pond trees and sweet little cattails. My favorite thing about abstract art is that the viewer gets to decide what they're seeing. You can decide to just see the colors, shapes, and lines, or a mossy little pond. Or you might choose to not try so hard to see and just let Thomas's abstraction wash over you like a rustling breeze through the trees. As for me, I'm going to shake off a little of this pond water, but I'll see you back here next time for another deep dive. Thanks, Reggie. That was a great segment about abstraction. Abstraction is exactly how you say it, something that has sort of a freedom and flexibility of thought. It can be whatever you need it to be. It's not something that's representational. So you can make a lot of choices. There's something kind of empowering about that. I also have to say, I um, have thought, whenever I think of improvisation, I often think about jazz. Uh, Caitlin is going to bring us a segment with Theron Brown, who's one of the foremost jazz performers in Akron. And it really does talk a little bit about how abstraction isn't just something that you see in visual art. It's also in music. Hi, Caitlin here. I spoke with Theron Brown for this episode's Shop Talk. Theron is an Akron legend as far as contemporary jazz in our city is concerned. He's the founder of Rubber City Jazz and Blues Festival in Akron, the Theron Brown Trio, and he also teaches jazz piano at Kent State University. Theron has graced his presence at the museum many times throughout the years. You might have seen him at last year's Downtown at Dusk. He'll be with us again virtually this coming February for our Midwinter Blues and Other Tunes concert series. And without further ado, Theron Brown's Shop Talk. Theron, welcome. Thanks for setting aside some time today to talk with me on Shop Talk. Good to be here. So I sent you along some questions. Um, I hope you got to look at them. And this episode of the podcast focuses on Alma Thomas's Pond, Spring Awakening. And I'm just curious what your, like, initial thoughts were on the work when you first saw it, or even on Alma Thomas, if you know much about her. Yeah. No, I actually had a good time uh, reading about her and looking her up, because I've been super into uh, history as well as Black history with uh, all the craziness going on lately. 
So this was a lot of fun to like dive into her story and see what she was all about. You know, I usually like to look at art first without the title of things, just as I guess for my own self to try to guess um, what I get out of it without any influences, you know. But uh, in this case, you know, even though I knew the title of it, looking at it, you could get a glimpse of it. There's this darkness and then you have little speckles of these colors that are popping through. And to me, that always shows a sign of going towards a rebirth or, you know, a renewing. It's going to be okay at the end. So when I, when I saw that, it hit me in that way and instantly the title made sense with spring and kind of like the winter dissolving and this beautiful rebloom, you know, the rebirth yeah. of spring. It's cool. Yeah, because it's, especially with abstracted works, which I'll ask about abstract in a second. Mm. Yeah, there's so much interpretation up for grabs, and I, I love that you were able to look at her history, too, because I was yeah. just looking it up and seeing that connection between her wanting to be an educator and yeah. teaching at that high school until she retired, and now just talking to you about your teaching experiences. Um, I love that connection. Mm-hmm. It was cool. I think one of the, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but one of her quotes was that she wished that she was more well known for the work that she did educating kids than her actual art, which I definitely relate to that. You know, being an educator and you see the kids, it's like, oh yeah, they have a chance to fix what we're in now, right. you know, <laughs> so, um, I could definitely relate to her in that. And yes, yeah, it seemed like she lived a, a beautiful, very important life. So very much in the vein of Thomas's work, and I'd say of some of your work as a musician with improv, um, mm. what does abstract mean to you? Yeah, I have to say I had to grow into this. Actually, when I first moved here when I was 18, Akron, Ohio, before that I had only played in church. My definition of abstract, I, I didn't really know what it was. I thought I could just play anything or something as it relates to music. But I think as I grew, I was able to understand that it's... Uh, a lot more personal that everything is really abstract what isn't abstract you know right <laughs> they're all just titles and names you know it's the order of things and i think abstract art there's still that grasp because you can make the human connection to it you can form an opinion to it so that for me is freeing that's what i think of abstract art is it's even more free than anything because it is allowing the door for people to make their opinion on something that you hold so dear to you um and they can say they like it or they can say they don't like it <laughs> And that's okay, because right. there's going to be something that you don't <laughs> like about me or something you like about me. So it's the same with art. Um, yeah. that's, that's kind of my take on it. I, I enjoy what you were saying, um, this idea of vulnerability. Yeah, you hold something so dearly when you make it and craft it, and you spend so much time. And then to be okay with what people interpret it as. And mm. like you said, with not knowing what abstract meant to you, just that sign of growth um, yeah. is so important. Mm -hmm. Take some courage, too, I guess. Right. Definitely. <laughs> um, and now I, I love talking about all this stuff, but I'm going to switch to some more short answer, more lighthearted questions, if that mm -hmm. sounds good. Okay. Sure. So what is the first thing you do in the morning? Uh, lately, it's been waking up to my son getting up, so I change a diaper. Oh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's been, uh, yeah, since even remember the last time I haven't done that so <laughs> yeah because you have two right I do I have yeah. uh, a son and his name's Taryn Jr and he's two years old that's right and my daughter is Tegan and she's seven months old so yeah there wasn't much like time to spare no 
know, <laughs> between the diapers and let's get right get up and get right to work <laughs> it's funny because the other artists i've talked to uh so far um a couple of them said the first thing they do is take their dog outside um so it's very much yeah. these ideas of not even for yourself is the it's, first thing in the morning <laughs> yeah you gotta you gotta get the work yeah somebody needs you <laughs> exactly <laughs> And then what are your three Desert Island studio needs? Studio needs. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I love a new keyboard. That's always fun. Any specific uh, brand? Sure. Or? Uh, I love Nord. Okay. Nord. Uh, those are good. I think they come in 88 keys if anybody's out there wants to make a donation. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Well, we should set up a PayPal link. <laughs> right, right. Show notes. <laughs> yeah. No, but that uh, keyboard's always fun. Um, microphones would be cool and then how about an upright bass oh yeah okay they have a drum set so that would be perfect the trio could just oh that'd be awesome yeah Mm -hmm. and so it sounds like these uh desert island needs are like wish list um and also like can't live without at this point yeah yeah. because studio time is like not really existing right now right do you have (laughs) space in your house for like the drum set like can you play like and it not be very loud no uh that's that's how it is here yeah my son yeah (laughs) and my son so we just have it upstairs because okay so I kind of have all the instruments upstairs so they can just go in on I love that. I love seeing, like, infants playing drums, (laughs) and they just have better beat recognition than I do. Yeah, yeah. And I just admire it so much. So I'm sure your kids are going to be, like, superstars by the time they're seven, even. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's really advanced. You know, you don't want to talk about abstract art. Oh, yeah. Here and listen to that. So out of all your studio needs, what's your favorite tool? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to go technology right now because I've been getting a ton of information from YouTube. And I think that is like YouTube and Google. You know, you can find anything, (laughs) any music I need, any questions about logic, you know, which is a a recording on your computer, DAW. Yeah, just think Zoom calls, how to hook up your yes. mic. To, you know? <laughs> so that's been my source for everything. I mean, as far as education, I think with us being at home, there's no excuse anymore, you know. So right. I think that's been my biggest tool for I, even teaching. And I love and, that. Yeah, I feel like um, yeah, just you don't even need those giant like uh, pamphlets or like books of how to use you can just be like i'm gonna toss this or recycle it and i'm gonna google my needs when it comes to it because who wants to lug around that stuff forever right perfect example (laughs) my wife got my son a trampoline i get on youtube look up the brand and there's somebody that already put it together that's incredible that's like ease of access no dad's like fumbling in the backyard anymore getting frustrated and sweaty all good (laughs) (laughs) um next question I have what's your silver lining during these times yeah um it's actually my family I will say that I've had some up a lot of ups and downs and they've been dramatic with COVID and a lot of other things going on Black Lives Matter and uh just the change of life uh complete 180 from going to having a full summer schedule to absolutely nothing but having you know my wife at home and being able to play with the kids I couldn't believe if I would have missed that during this time that would be been terrible you know so there are some 
ups to it and that that has been it the other thing is i've been i found uh some comfort in writing now writing music getting ready for my next album um and being able to take my time in that right so i think that's that's been keeping me together so an overall sense of kind of slowing down and taking these opportunities that we didn't necessarily choose mm-hmm. uh, so now i have um a pretty brief quick answer this or that questions okay that i didn't send to you on purpose oh gosh Ready? Ready. <laughs> <laughs> Old or new? New? You didn't sense it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was tough. Actually, I'm going to have to switch my answer. Probably. Let's stick with new. New? Okay. Yeah. Half full or half empty? Oh, half full. I always like that response. Yeah. Morning or night? Night. Yeah. Definitely. Kids in bed or when kids are still up? Uh, kids in bed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because in the morning you're waking up to their diapers. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Fast or slow? Probably fast. Yeah, I'm used to moving quick. At this point, it's everything's slow. But. And then the last major question: salty or sweet? Boy, oh boy, sweet. <laughs> sweet. Yeah, definitely sweet tooth. But I yeah, like but- salt. <laughs> no, it's a real. It's the trick question. That's why we save it for last. Yeah. Do you have a, like a favorite sweet? I'm really into fruit bars, the popsicles. Kids, they're just here, and I, <laughs> yeah, I probably shouldn't eat as many as I do. I mean, it's been 90 degrees out for a couple yeah. weeks now, so I think we all deserve endless popsicles. Yeah. Keep our sanity. And then lastly, if you don't mind, just giving a plug um, of any upcoming projects you have. You mentioned your new album coming out soon. Yeah, well, uh, right now, Rubber City Jazz and Blues Fest is coming up, so I'm playing that for August 27th through 29th. And then uh, I'm going to do a, a pretty cool teaching experience in London, but from my house, uh, for Piano Week with Pianist Magazine. So I'll be doing some teaching and then like a 50-minute concert or something. Oh, wow. I believe it'll be on YouTube. Oh, I don't know the date. Sometime in July. And then, uh, yeah, I'm working on my new album called Spirit Fruit. Um, it's based off a of scripture in the Bible, the fruit of spirit. And uh, I think it's just a lot of things that we need in this world. And hopefully I'll be able to shine that light here in a few months. Definitely. Oh, well, thank you so much, Theron. This Absolutely. is such a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. All right, excellent. So um, we are so happy to be doing this and reaching out to you. If you want to reach back out to us, please do give us a call. Our phone number is 330-790-1622 or throw us an email at podcast at akronartmuseum.org. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Relief Podcast from the Akron Art Museum. Comfort and joy for these uncertain times. Relief Podcast is a production of the Akron Art Museum. Today, you heard from staff members Seema Rao, Gina Thomas-McGee, Reggie Lynch, and Caitlin Evans, along with special guest Darren Brown. Special thank you to Jordan King, who wrote and performed all the podcast theme music. Until next time, take care and live creative.